0: I don't like high fives particularly. I feel like people. I just have some kind of personality. That when I go to shake people's hands, they assume I'm trying to high five them. <laughs> so they, I come in like this, and they go, "Wee!" Oh, here we go. School. I thought when I say "Here we go," usually I'll
1: say "Here we go," when I usually say "Here we go." In addition to those three,
0: here we go. Hello, brothers, sisters, and siblings. Welcome to Penn Sunday School. I'm your host. Harrison Greenbaum, we are at Show Creator Studio South, and we are so excited! <laughs> Very nice. That was my hat. <laughs> <laughs> and here is your host, Preaching Love, Make Some Noise, for
1: <laughs> Make Some Noise is good.
0: <laughs> here we
1: are, uh, Preaching Love. Now, I'm going to, um, I would have uh, let off the last show with this. But um, you were just coming in. I didn't want to um, ambush you. But um, it's and it's been, um, I think it was reported uh, today, we're recording this on Sunday, it was reported today that um, Teller had uh, bypass surgery on his heart. And so that is, people are writing me on Twitter and saying, why weren't you doing shows? And uh, that's the reason. Under doctor's orders, Teller will not be doing shows for, At least six weeks, probably eight. Uh, Although uh, I was at the hospital yesterday, would tell her. And I think they just do this, right? I mean, all the nurses were saying he is just, Doing so much better than anyone else, don't they do that for everyone? Yeah, everybody
0: probably? does better. Yeah, yeah. No, they'll never tell you the opposite. Oh man, he looks like shit. <laughs> he's doing. Your nurse bad. comes in and says that. <laughs> that is a problem. <laughs> you're doing really, really Ooh, bad. Oh boy. A, uh, there's average and it, I, what that. And,
1: and I also think if your if your disease is terminal, they lowball the number, right? They must.
0: Yeah, because everybody over always. Oh, he always. only has six months to live, and then they live for seventeen years.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think they lowball to make you feel really good. You know, he's a fighter. <laughs> right. He's a fighter. They gave him just 15 minutes to live and he went 17. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think they do that. So I, I think they probably tell everybody. But he was out of, you know, they opened up his
0: fucking chest. Yeah. And he was walking around the next day, which is not bad. Uh, my me- dad had triple bypass not uh-huh. uh, too long ago uh it was basically like a year into COVID, so it was kind of a scary time because uh-huh. nobody could be in the hospital with him uh-huh. um but i think the hardest part of the surgery is not the actual surgery it's the the chest ripping that yeah. that's the part that actually yeah the little the little, little nicks and putting the bypass in and i didn't realize
1: till the doctor came in he explained it the doctor he had uh this cat named um Wood, Doctor Wood, and another person at the hospital said, "Doctor Wood, and he's not a penis doctor. Exactly. That feels like
0: a wasted opportunity.
1: Wasted." And another doctor who we know said, um,
0: "Oh Dr. yeah, clitoris, and also not, <laughs> also in cor- coronary
1: stuff." Said, "I love, I love having it was a friend because I come in every morning and go morning Wood." <laughs> so, so Doctor Wood, who's not a penis doctor, but you know, aren't those tied with the heart? Aren't the heart and the penis tied together? Yeah, there's blood. Sure. He explained the operation, I was in, uh, before Teller's operation, I was in with him, and he explained the operation so well that I really felt I should, I could do it. Save, you know, save us some money, save the insurance money. <laughs> I thought I could actually do the operation. Teller was not down with it, though. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted someone that, and that's what you want out of a doctor, right? You want a doctor that's really bored with a surgery. I you thought know? you were going to say, you want a doctor who won't let you
0: participate. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that is bare minimum. Well, when we when
1: they took my ear off and drilled into my head, the doctor did let us participate because we did a joke where he pulled my ear off. Well, they they pull your ear off and they tape it to your nose, <laughs> essentially to your cheek, they bend it over and then they, you know your ear hole, which is which is a sexier word than it should be. Right, <laughs> your fantastic. your ear hole is is just hanging out there, and we did a gag where Teller. Pulled a penny out of the hole inside. Instead of the penny, oh, instead of a coin behind your ear, he pulled a penny out from inside my skull. <laughs> Perfect. They drilled in. So I guess we should have taken this opportunity for me to go into the room and going, uh, okay, we've got a diamond, we've got a spade, we've got a club, and <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> look at this, we've got a heart. But uh, we didn't do that. We were, we were very, very good about it. Uh, I was not involved in the surgery at all.
0: I think that is for the best. Hmm. I think so. Although better story. Oh my god, yeah.
1: Yeah. If I was coming in here and going, I did my first bypass operation, <laughs> and I have got to tell you, Harrison, more nerve-wracking than being on Saturday Night Live, I gotta
0: say. That's right. I'll tell her. Terrible. <laughs>
1: Terrible. I got he got it worse, but he at least he was out. I had had my heart pounding. That's right. His <laughs> Not so much. That's right. Not pounding it at all, as a matter of fact. But I was nervous during the operation. So he was doing uh, he was doing wonderfully. I went in right after he got out. He was still uh, coming out of anesthetic and just had the, the tube taken out of him, right? And I thought I'd make a joke. <laughs> I said, um, I signed us up for a corporate date tonight. I know you have, you're a little under the weather, but it's really good money. <laughs> I just thought I'd lead with that, right? And Teller said, which I think is, I want to remember this. When someone I don't like tells a joke that I don't like, Teller <laughs> said, is someone speaking to me? Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> That's about as cold a reaction as you can get to leading in with a joke. spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's
2: hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it,
0: you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. It's incredible. Yeah. Did they do any of those tests to make sure he was with it? Because I've had my, my grandfather, when he had something similar... They, he came out of the anesthesia, and they asked him who the president was, uh-huh. and he said, Myron Lowenstein. <laughs> and they said, oh, no, something has gone horribly awry with the surgery. And that was the president of our temple. He was just being very Jewish. Very <laughs> So thank God my dad was there to say, no, no, no,
1: that's good. That's a good thing. That's, uh, that's actually, you know, the test they gave Kennedy, because they wanted to make sure that he was the president of the United States and not answering to the pope. Oh. And there was a lot of worry about that, you know, that the first— first catholic president we actually thought that was a problem in those days right. of presidents before now when the question is is the president what kind of felon is our right. president or how many catholics president? can
0: we put on the supreme court yeah.
1: <laughs> can they all be catholic right exactly it is ridiculous right it's like four now
0: yeah yeah I'm, and they're very religious they the problem is they are doing the exact opposite of what jfk did <laughs> they they always say god before country basically
1: yeah uh, but four Catholics on the Supreme Court. Too much. It, especially, I mean, remember the good old days when Catholics were, you know, uh, persecuted? That was <laughs> that was a good time. You know, Catholics used to be like, ugh, Catholics. And now no one does that anymore, right? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah.
0: They still, thank God, do, ugh, Jews. <laughs> <laughs> we got a couple, we snuck a couple onto the court. Yeah, you yeah, got a couple on the court. RBJ is very tiny. That's how we snuck her in. She didn't take up much room. They said, okay, fine. You get half a chair. It also
1: seems, you know, in in in, in um, theological stereotypes, I think I'm okay with a Catholic sheriff, but I want the judge to be Jewish. You know, you, the stereotypes <laughs> kind of work out that way, you know. And the Protestant, we don't know what they're good for.
0: But <laughs> yeah, I had another friend who he came out of a, a, pr- a medical procedure, and they showed him a picture of Obama, and he said, that's Black Steve. And to this day, I don't know who Steve is or why that was the first thing he thought of. Well, you know, Black Herman. Do you know about Black Herman? Uh, that was like an old TV thing. No no, oh, no, 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 no. Black
1: Herman, I'm fascinated by uh, because Black Herman is like, uh, now, Reddy Rich has these right at his fingertips. Who is the blues singer that's like three different guys? Uh, there's one name for a blues singer from like the 40s. Blind Lemon Jefferson? Talking about all the lemons? Yeah, but no, there's there's people that actually the same name, but it's like three different guys.
0: Oh, it, no, I don't have that. I'm sorry. Anyway, Black Herman. Hopefully that's not the test when you come out of anesthesia. because <laughs> they a, hold those pictures up. Yeah, was a magician. Ah.
1: But Black Herman worked for like 120 years. Right. As a magician <laughs> in black communities.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah. And he also did a lot of um, occult stuff and readings and mind reading and and burying sins and stuff like that. And we don't know much about him. He only worked in uh, African-American cultures. He did not cross over at all. And um, we only know about him because he sold his autobiography, Mm. which was, you know, probably not true. But it has him born in like, you know, 1840 (laughs) and still
0: working in like nineteen sixty. Right. You know, and he <laughs> referred to every other magician as White Thurston, <laughs> yeah. his White, White Keller, White Houdini. Yeah. Um, that was Jew Houdini. Yeah.
1: Black Herman is who Sun Ra, whose name was Herman Blount, was named after. Ah. Because Sun Ra's mother, see, Sun Ra was from Saturn, but his birth certificate says different. Right, exactly. And And he was named because his mother had gotten a reading. From Black Herman, who told him something about the child she was going to have, and she decided to name him Black Herman. That's her story, right? Maybe he was named after Black Herman for another reason. We don't know, but Black Herman existed forever. So maybe, uh, maybe there's been uh, there's been a, a Black Steve. That's also
0: worked that's in the right. African-American community. He does, you know, he does children's birthday parties. Yeah. He's not <laughs> nearly as good as Black Herman, but he's, he's, you know, he, does, he has a dove pan. But I've always thought that, um,
1: that someone should do like a movie or an extensive study of Black Herman, but that person is not going to be me because right. <laughs> no one wants white pen.
0: Doing a study of
1: Black Herman, you know,
0: is it White Pen and Teller or White Pen and White Teller? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think you can you can modify both at once. God, gotcha. it's like passersby,
1: yeah, <laughs> or um, chairmen of the board, right? <laughs> it's, it's exactly the same. So uh, Gilbert Gottfried, and I will not show this uh, to anybody because you have to really love Gilbert to understand this. But Gilbert um, came out of um, anesthetic. They tried to give him these tests, and uh, Dara, his wife, said, they were asking him arithmetic, and she said, he, he can't do arithmetic. <laughs> uh, so she said, he, that's no test. They said to Gilbert, show your conscience, and he sang, and you may not even know this, you are maybe too young, but he sang the whole theme song of Car 54, Where Are You? That's great. <laughs> there's a hold up in the Bronx. Brooklyn's broken out in fights. There's a traffic jam in Harlem that's backed up to Jackson Heights. He just sang,
0: car 54, where are you? And there's just popped out and saved up. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I have, a, uh, I have a, uh, a video that Dara sent me of Gilbert doing that, which I think many, many people would find sad and heartbreaking. And I find one of the most beautiful things ever.
0: Yeah, it's so it's pure.
1: Just, it's so pure. It's just like what what Gilbert wanted to do to show he was conscious was sing a comedy, comedy theme song. So how'd your dad do after his uh,
0: bypass? I'm, I mean, was he able to get back on stage soon and do magic? Yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, he does this thing with the coins and the water. No, he was. It, it you know, it's it's a, it was scary because we didn't know my my mom had told my sister I that he was even going in. they were just looking for like. It was like a calcium test where they kind of put you under and they check and they looked at his heart hard and they're like, oh no, we got to, we got to get in there now. And so all of a sudden it went from, we're just doing a test to we're opening up your chest. Mm-hmm. So we, I got to, you know, you get that crazy phone call and it's COVID. So you can't visit, you can't see anybody and you don't even want to risk seeing somebody because they're already medically compromised. You don't want to make it worse. Or the whole hospital. Yeah.
1: You, you know, you, you, you could have been COVID Harrison.
0: Right? Exactly. <laughs> although the funny thing is, I think my dad loved it because he was just alone. <laughs> He's like, "I love your I love your mom," but it's been a little bit of a nice vacation. Well, this was this was the great thing with
1: Teller. You know, Teller's Teller's recovering. So Mox and I went in. Moxie and I went in, and we brought a salad for him. I told Mox, I said, "We don't want to talk about just his operation stuff. Talk about other stuff." Right. So she came in and she talked about Tannen's camp. Yes, <laughs> And told these stories and was bubbly and everything. And Teller was attentive and nodding. And then I saw him looking a little tired. Right. And I said, um, do you want us to leave now? And he said, no, 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 no. I said, well, just tell us when you want us to leave. And he said, well, I'd like you to leave within the next five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> which is really funny. Yeah. Telling someone you don't want them to leave, but within the next five minutes. Right. Get out. I'm not saying get the fuck out, but get out. <laughs> within five minutes, get your ass out the door. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, when I was in the hospital, you know, and they st- stuck a thing in my groin and went up into my heart, which I thought was the sexier way to do it, but maybe opening the, maybe that's the piker way to do it. I had a lot of people visiting, and some of the time I wanted to just enjoy the drugs. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> as a teetotaler and someone who doesn't do recreational drugs, this is this is a time in the hospital when they give you the drugs, and it's okay. Oh, I, I kinda, that? I kind of wanted to enjoy them. They encourage you. They give mm. you a button. Mm. Mm. Say, come on, you want more? But uh, Teller said to get another pill, they
0: made him walk. Oh, interesting. You
1: know, you, you can walk a little bit, then we'll give you a paint pill.
0: Gotcha. So they were basically using it as like a, a reward. A, yeah. know, like a Snickers bar. <laughs> Give you a gold star and a morphine. It's great.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he's uh, what he's on, but he, he for someone who had their chest opened up, he seemed in, in remarkably good spirits. That's amazing. So they say, you know, uh, yeah, it'll probably be, a, and Teller was saying, Teller was also saying, which is not good for PR. And also, not good if you're in a partnership. But teller was there, this is before the operation, going, I don't do that much in the show. <laughs> he said, I don't think, I think I can probably go early because I don't do that much. And I was thinking, I should be running video on this for when I want to get that 75 split right. <laughs> I've been going for for a long time. Because then I'll do a video of me saying, I do a lot in the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do a lot. But uh, he wanted to say he... Uh, he wasn't doing much, not carrying things. I mean, there are tricks we do. He's doing a lot. Oh, but yeah. But teller was saying he could probably do a, you know, the easy the easy
0: chair version. But did your dad completely recover? Yeah, yeah. And did he feel better afterwards? I think so. He had, the only thing that was different is he had a wicked scar, which is kind of like faded over time. That mm-hmm. was the main difference.
1: And since your father is a chest model. That's right. <laughs> got exactly. Got- His bathing suit modeling days are over. <laughs> <laughs> But he's moved into horror films. That's right, exactly. He said, "You know, you've been you've been feeling tired, and after we do this bypass, you might not be as tired. That's great. So uh, he, he might it might actually uh, end up uh, getting a. You may actually be, be doing much better. After
0: and those are this. blessings in disguise because, like I know with my dad, that was they they were telling it basically was a ticking time bomb where if you don't fix it, it can lead to even worse outcomes. So the idea that it's fixed and handled yeah. is much much better.
1: Yeah, I, I don't have to worry about it. You got the, you got that done. Right, exactly. That's done. And uh I think they uh you know the doctor said the uh surgery went really well. What else is the doctor going to say? Right.
0: <laughs> oh, I really biff this one. <laughs> oh, <I would>. Boy. <laughs> I shouldn't come in that hungover. That's right, because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Oh, they had me filming Miami Vice and doing an (laughs) off way show, and now I'm doing this.
1: Oh Jesus, I had no idea what I was doing,
0: but I think I might have hit it. I came to at the end, but it seemed like everybody else was happy. (laughs) I, you know, a lot of times it's good to have a nurse take over for you. Right, (laughs) exactly. I mean, when my grandmother was in the hospital, I remember there there was like you know, it's that awkward part where. She was in a lot of pain and it was, you know, there, there, things were wrapping up and uh, she wouldn't go. And we're like, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And they had this, this aide sort of watching her and she fell asleep at one point so much that we thought like, is she okay? And we're like, if this nurse dies before our grandmother, we're going to be pissed. How dare her go first? So that was uh, yeah, that got a little dark, but there's always those little jokes. Yeah, so you couldn't visit your father at all. He's just alone in the hospital. Just alone. He was. Th- we would FaceTime him, and we, we knew we knew he was great when he was complaining. As soon as he started complaining about the hospital food, we're like, "He's back, baby. He's great." Boy, the hospital
1: food. It's like uh, Goodall was in, and they gave him a heart-friendly breakfast, which included bacon. <laughs> uh, and you know, we were looking at the uh, the, the the menu, and it's. I mean, obviously, a few meals don't change your health. Right. You'd think that they would be like modeling what you should be eating in the future, right?
0: Exactly. Like
1: maybe a vegetable. Sure,
0: <laughs> but those are expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and how can they overcharge you seven? I'm sure whatever they do feed you, they charge seventeen thousand dollars a plate.
1: Yeah, uh, it's. Um, I think hospitals are pretty expensive. Oh yeah. <laughs> Think you're in there for like a minute. It's, it's uh, wicked expensive. I, I might go over and visit him, but but Teller's been saying. I think Teller essentially is a little like your father. He right. kind of said, uh, "I don't, I don't, not necessarily need to talk to my business partner today." <laughs> it's a little vacation. <laughs> you got
0: a bed. You got some drugs.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, that's where we are. For uh, so I uh, I had to convince uh, the Today Show. That they could have me on alone. Interesting. <laughs> so um, I got to go on, and uh, you know they still want a trick. Sure. And you know I have. To, I don't want it to tell her to have on video. You know the other side of this, where I go. You know I really can't do any tricks. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> I, could zoom them in. You could I, FaceTime them in. I know you think I'm a magician, but I don't really know how to do anything. I don't want to say that, so I have to come up with some uh, some trick for the Today Show in a week or so. You know, because we're announcing the new season of Fool Us starts. Oh, amazing! Starts broadcasting, and uh, then presumably, I guess we do another one. We do this will be our eleventh season of Fool ah. Us if we do another one. It's the tenth one that's on now. That's a lot
0: of magicians to see. If you make it to season twenty, what will your tricks look like at that point? <laughs> is there an extent? Is there a certain point where you're like, "This is, there's only so many tricks we can come up with"?
1: We did. Um, we did eight seasons of bullshit. And, uh, we were not running out of subjects, but it was like a uh, star. Our producer said, you know, if season 12 comes up, it's going to be, you know, I went to the <laughs> burrito place down the street and I get a, I gave you like 10 chips. That's bullshit.
0: Right. Good night. <laughs> Why don't they charge extra for the avocado? <laughs> yeah. in this next four hour documentary report.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, after a while you're, uh, you're, you're out of stuff. You're out of stuff. So how, was, how were things going at the uh, at the old uh, Mad... Uh,
0: mad Apple. Mad Apple. They're, they're going. The ticket sales are good. The shows have been really fun. We've had some what, another couple finger bang each other during the show. So some we're doing something right. Really? <laughs> it happened one time in the show where there's these two couples and they were really going at it in the front row during our show. And now anytime somebody does something of that nature, everybody's like, oh, we're going to tell Harrison. He, he wants to know. <laughs> well, yeah. And I it, do. That is true. That is 100% true. Also tell me. I want to know. Yeah. We also not found from, panties underneath th- a seat. So somebody must have worn them to the show mm-hmm. and then decided they did not need to wear them after the show. So left you soup starter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It was, so the, It's it's been fun. Well, actually, you you may just
1: not know your, your sexual power, Harrison, because right. when Tom Jones plays, or used to, I don't think he's doing many shows now, where many women would take off their panties and throw them onto the stage at him. Ah. You yeah, knew. there's something about a Jew screaming at you. <laughs> I think that really does it for people. Because, you know, maybe she was getting
0: ready to throw them at you and you didn't turn the right way or something. It could be. could be, yeah. I mean, there's been... It, the Vegas audiences, compar- New York audiences, I did not realize... I mean, Vegas there's always something weird, and there's always something that you, I, I've gone through people's bags. The people go to the Hershey store, so that's always fun if they do that, because um, there's nowhere else to get M&Ms in Las Vegas yeah. than the official but, Hershey store.
1: But you can also, I believe, you can
0: get um, them broken down by color. Which is very important. Which may be the only place you can do that. Although they all taste, that's the whole thing about the M&Ms, is they all taste the same regardless of color. And they all have insects. They're all insect parts. Really? Which is
1: why they're not uh they're not kosher, nor are they, um it's not just the milk chocolate that makes them not vegan, but also those shells. I yeah. believe they have some beetle. Um I don't mean the band. <laughs> I believe they have some beetle component. That's why. Is that is that right? Ready, Rich? I don't know off the top of my head, but I I'll believe open it up. I believe there's a beetle component to the um Part of the uh, what? What is the word I'm going
0: for? The exoskeleton. Yeah,
1: part of the exoskeleton. <laughs> a lot of candy has uh, is made with that from insects. Huh. Which is why um, I think, in part of the Jewish culture, you're not
0: supposed to eat bugs, right? Insects. I think you can eat some bugs. I mean, like the hooves is a big deal. Like whether they have hooves or not, that's big. Well, but I just uh, and so then the know, shellfish stuff is a big just, deal.
1: Just so you know, no insects have hooves. Right, exactly. So I think you, can, you might be able to eat bugs. I don't think so. But shellfish, but also lobsters.
0: Lobsters are I would shell. not be surprised if we are technically allowed to eat bugs, and then some rabbi is like, it's gross. <laughs> Take it off the list. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> but
1: uh, I, I think you can't. Interesting. I think, I think you can't. Because my, my, my son has decided to be Jewish. Oh, okay. So he's looking up stuff. Gotcha. And say, he was eating a cheeseburger... Oh no. And saying, saying, you know, when you're when you're keeping kosher, you can't have dairy and, and, and meat together. Right. Uh, he was eating a cheeseburger while he was saying that. <laughs> and he was going to correct other stuff that was going on. I don't know. Maybe he thinks that cheese is not dairy or something. I don't know.
0: I remember trying to be a good observant Jew on Passover. So, no bread. You can't have bread or any bread products. Any so we, eleven bread. Right. You so, we can go have to the matzah. Diner. Right. Matzah is totally cool. But any eleven bread out of the window. I eat more matzah. I eat a lot of matzah. Oh, matzah is great. They're giant crackers. Giant crackers, and you can put mustard on them. You can put peanut butter and jelly. You do tuna fish. Tuna fish is great. Yeah. Uh, you can make a matzah pizza. But there's a. Uh, we're at a diner, and I'm like, there's nothing on this menu that you doesn't just, have.
1: You just made with your hands
0: the size of a plate at a diner that I have never seen. <laughs>
1: Did you, do you, have you had four-foot plates at diners?
0: I've had. I've seen menus this long okay. at diners, which <laughs> is never good. You want somebody to specialize a little. <laughs> a little. There's no way you can make Italian food and Mexican food and have sushi on the same diner menu. There's no way.
1: Diner menus are a, a real Jersey diner. There's nothing better in the world. Oh, There's great. actually no better... If I could be one place for the rest of my life, it would be 3 a.m. one of those Manhattan diners right near the tunnel. Yes, with a grilled cheese, hundred percent, a nice greasy grilled cheese, a and, chocolate egg cream. Yeah, and someone
0: sitting across from you who's like wicked funny. Yes, that's all you want in the world. That's the best thing for that. That's the comedian dream too. Is yeah. that we go to go to a, like go to a delicatessen at three o'clock in the morning yeah. and just tell the worst jokes to each other. Yeah.
1: But uh, you were you were saying.
0: Oh, yeah. So I was like, I can't find anything on this menu that does not have leavened bread in it. So I was like, okay, I need to be kosher for Passover. So I ordered a shrimp cocktail. No breading, no breading. And my my mom was with me was like, you're because I agonize over this menu trying to find the one thing that was kosher for Passover. So it was fine for Passover, just not kosher. <laughs> so it did not break the bread rules. No, no, bra-
1: no bread rules. No bread rules.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, did you find out about insects there,
1: pretty uh, Rich?
2: Yeah, my attorney has advised me to say that tuna fish might have insects in it. What? But in- M&Ms don't.
1: Ah. M&Ms don't, huh? There
2: are some candies that have confectioner's glaze that have Michael Keaton in conf- it.
1: Confectioner?
2: Conf- they have Michael Keaton in it? Beetlejuice.
0: Uh, ah, yeah. <laughs> nice.
1: Uh,
2: and I think red dye at one point might have had lac beetle shells in mm-hmm. it, but I don't believe that's true anymore. But
1: it's it's confectioner's gel? Glaze. Glaze. Confectioner's glaze. But M&Ms do not. Correct. M&Ms do not have insects in them. Just so you know.
0: Junior if men. somebody offers you confectioner's glaze, that's there's it, There's no good way. It, it also could just be cum.
1: <laughs> but I'll tell you, that glaze that comes off the, if um, uh, you, you watch them make Krispy Kreme donuts, uh, and that shower
0: glaze, you just go, can I just roll underneath that? <laughs> can I just be underneath that glaze? Uh, that is better than porn, for sure. That is the money shot that I want to see every time. <laughs> yeah.
1: Boy, watching them make the Krispy Kreme donuts is just so great. Oh,
0: the little conveyor belt that they got going on. And the, all, the, all the time it takes for them to rise,
1: which means not good for Passover. Right. Is <laughs> that clear in your mind? Krispy Kreme. oh sure but not good for Passover, I don't know. I don't know.
0: I, I know the biggest the biggest weird Passover thing was that Ashkenazi and Sephardic Jews have a differing opinion on popcorn. Cuz it pops. So the Ash, the European Jews were like you can't have popcorn and the Sephardics were like it's fine. So that was the popcorn wars. The great popcorn wars. <laughs> that's where Jews are at now in 2022 <laughs> is yelling at each other over whether popcorn is Passover safe. Ah. Uh. Wow, because it it rises. It technically rises. The opportunities have become a little bit more okay with it. I believe you have a strong opinion on this. I love popcorn, and that was my big, uh, most upset thing was I remember going to the movie theaters on Passover and not being allowed to get popcorn, and then at some point, some rabbinical... Council decided no 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 we're gonna make it across the board popcorn is okay. Some
1: rabbinical council that had uh, partial ownership in AMC. Right, exactly.
0: <laughs> they were part of that movie pass thing. It was a whole thing. They Wanted to help their investment. They made a deal, made a deal. But my family had popcorn on a Passover a few years ago, and we we're like, oh my god, I can't. But that just shows the the silliness of some of these these rules.
1: But you can make it better by hanging a string around it, right? That's right,
0: exactly. Well, that's the whole putting wires around jewish towns right oh there's so many loopholes. the shabbos elevator yeah, yeah you can't use an elevator but if it just so happens to be there who am i not to take the elevator i always thought the shabbos Segoy was it was a good gig it was great but you're not supposed to directly ask them so it was always this very weird thing of you can't say hey can you please turn on the lights you'd have to be ultra be like you know it would be so nice if the <laughs> lights were on i wish it was brighter in this room huh what <laughs> if there was some lights I'm just saying. Uh, I don't me, mind it being dark. You had
1: me over here. Uh, you're paying me. What do you want? Want me to turn the light on? No, no, no. I would never ask. Okay, it. okay. Because it's getting really dark in here. Yeah, I agree. It was yeah, so getting dark. <laughs> want me to turn the light?
0: No, no, no. no. <laughs>
1: Yeah. That's, I just thought it'd be a great gig. I'll just sit in the dark. <laughs> Me too, I guess. But I could just turn to the light, we could both read. Nah. I mean, only one of us can
0: read. <laughs> I thought it'd be a great gig. A great gig. <laughs> it's I mean it's not bad if but yeah, you have to deal with that, the the the, the 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 parade the charade of it. Yeah, the idea
1: that you can um you can pull a fast one on God.
0: Right, is, exactly. Is, He's is, not seeing through
1: this whole song and dance that you're doing? Yeah, all of a sudden the celestial voice comes in and goes, Turn on the fucking light. Right. <laughs> just do it. God, <laughs> I can't uh, listen to
0: this anymore. Enough
1: of this shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm hearing it a million times simultaneously, all during Passover. Of course, that's Passover's not turned on off the
0: light. Right. That's it's like all. you can't use electricity, but if you want to see the game and there happens to be a Messiah, just leave the TV on that channel the whole time. And then, if you happen to walk by and you see now, the where store, did
1: the uh, the we can't we can't use electricity thing happen? Because when it was written, there wasn't electricity. I mean, if there was, though, or they misunderstand they misunderstand Ben Franklin when he said kite.
0: <laughs> <laughs> was that the whole problem <laughs> exactly i mean that would if that was in the bible though it said do not use electricity i would be much more of a believer me <laughs> too that would me be too. wild me and too. don't use your car you're like don't, what don't, don't use flat screen tv how did you know <laughs> yeah wow uh it says you can't do work what's that
2: it's because of the name electromotive force it's current actually doing
1: work it's physical <gasps> you can't work. do work oh electromotive that's the reason yep it's, it's technically work. So they. So if they called electricity something else, this is like going into Bobby Slayton's thing. Our big mistake was calling it blow job. We
0: should have <laughs> called it blow vacation. <laughs> I always said it's unpaid, so it's more of a blow internship. <laughs> but, well, yeah. Wow. So it's the
2: actual name of the uh, electromotor force. Well, it's also the physics of it, but the physics would have slid right by if we hadn't named it electromotor force. <laughs> yeah.
1: Popcorn can slide by.
0: Yeah. Physics can slide by. So you kept. Uh, I never kept kosher, but I did follow Passover. So that was like the weird. Kind of like Christians going to Mass
1: on Christmas, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I thought Passover was cool. It was like, it, and also it was easy. It was like eight days. You didn't have to do much. Um, but. <laughs> You just had to not eat bread. I was like, I can can do that. So it wasn't too bad. I I just like the negotiation with God. Uh, I'll do Passover. It's not that hard. I'll give you Passover, but you don't, don't hold me to Yom Kippur every time. That feels like (laughs) a lot. Also, that's a one-day fast. We complain a lot compared to the Muslims who have that Ramadan, which seems way harder. Don't hear that much complaining about it. Yeah, Jews have to not eat for 24 hours, never hear the end of it. (laughs) that's all and they claim the reason that you are fasting on yom kippur is so that you can concentrate more on your prayers to god because you want to be completely focused Mm -hmm. on that day it's the holiest day of the year and i think all we talk about is what we're going to eat as soon as the fast is over and uh, that's all we can think about
1: but isn't yom kippur uh tuesday wednesday right yeah soon yeah yeah Yeah. because uh i i'm going to be in la and I said to, uh,
0: and your agent's like, I'm busy. <laughs> well, yeah,
1: I I, I just said, why are there no meetings on Wednesday? <laughs> that was that was my question. And uh, Glenn said, well, it's it's a high Jewish holiday.
0: Yeah. And I went. None of them are observing it, but they are taking the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, you just
1: kind of go. And Marlon Brando got busted for saying that Jews ran a lot of show business. How come there are no <laughs> meetings on Wednesday?
0: I mean, I I grew
1: up in... Of course, there are no
0: meetings on Christmas either, so... That's true. That's true. And that is the weird thing, was I grew up in a very Jewy, Long Island town, so we had off from school on the high holidays. Mm -hmm. So the the non-Jewish kids were thrilled, because they just had a a vacation, and we had to go to Temple and do the whole thing. But then I went to, you know, then college, and then after college, realizing that the Jewish holidays are not ones that people get off.
1: Yeah, yeah. In my town of Greenfield, Massachusetts, which is the... um, the most goy town in the country, I imagine. We had.
0: I feel like the Vatican is the most goy town in the <laughs> world. I said the United States. Oh, okay, okay.
1: <laughs> um, we had, you know, I think two Jewish families.
0: They one ate popcorn, the other didn't. They hated each other.
1: <laughs> they would. Um, they would be off school these weird days, right? That no one understood.
0: Why are probably making a few up? There's a couple of holidays that nobody why, really cares about. Why isn't Brad
1: Myerson? <laughs> and Gene Borofsky are not here today. That's weird.
0: <laughs> no, it's Tubishvat. And you're like, nobody celebrates Tubishvat. <laughs> <laughs> the holiday of the trees? Nobody. Is that what it's like, Arbor Day? We got a it's couple Jewish of It's Jewish Arbor holiday. Day? We have a Jewish Arbor Day. Oh, yeah. We got a couple of tree holidays. They were very into the trees. And then when you got Bar Mitzvah, the big scam was you would get the certificate. Like your relatives would give you a certificate that says we've planted a tree in Israel in your name. And you get like a pile of these things. Cause every, that was the thing that you did, especially for like the old, your, your older aunts and uncles, would give you, we planted a tree in your name. So, so, you have we, like, so Israel's a forest. But ba- based on the number of certificates I saw, <laughs> there should be no room for people. It should be all trees. So we all go to Israel. It's a birthright trip. So it's all, we all go to Israel and I go, Hey, like I don't, I got these certificates. I would like to see my trees. And they waited till we landed in Israel. They go, just so you know, that's just a certificate. We, the money goes towards general planting, but it's not one-to-one. I was like, are you telling me I have no goddamn trees? (laughs) What was this entire, there's a whole generation of Jews who think they have trees. Nobody has trees. That's heartbreaking. I, I, I believed it. the certificate says like we, I thought there was like a plaque under a tree and it just said Harrison (laughs) Greenbelt. And the, the the Israelis would go by and go, "Thank thank you Harrison. I <laughs> I love this tree." No trees. Nice tree. Mostly desert.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know it was it was considered, uh, you must know this, but Tasmania was considered. Did you know that? Oh, that's interesting. For for, for where Israel would be. Would have been World less Warcraft. wars. Yeah, I thought people would have been less upset. I think it would be a little much better. Yeah. What's going to Antarctica's going to attack them? Right. Exactly. Antarctica <laughs> don't care. Yeah. They
0: leave the Jews alone.
1: Sure. Are you there's never
0: been an Antarctica war against the Jews. Isn't that Michael I think is I don't know if you say it, Chabon? Chabon C H yeah. A B O N. Yeah. He had the Yiddish policeman's ball. Right. And the whole conceit was the Jews don't get Israel, they get, I think, Alaska.
1: I thought it was Arizona, but
0: it's cold. It's definitely like country. Okay, Alaska. And so that's the whole it's a it's a mystery, murder mystery. The guy is a policeman in the Jewish country of Alaska. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, that would have been good, too. Yeah. But Tasmania, if you've been to Tasmania, have you been to Tasmania?
0: I have not. Yeah, you want to be to Tasmania. I've seen a Tasmanian devil in real life, and I was very disappointed. Oh, really? Because he didn't go... Didn't even look like the cartoon. Whoever drew that did a terrible job. But they're
1: still mean bastards. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Really mean bastards. Not crazy like the platypus mean bastards and platypuses will kill you they have a little poison Uh, it doesn't kill you it doesn't kill you but it'll fuck you up it's a bad bad
0: bad sting and they talk about intelligent design but the platypus (laughs) was definitely like whatever was left over there's a it's hairy it has a duck bill it's got venom thumbs
1: the only uh the only venomous uh mammal
0: really yeah well name another one cows I mean, technically, we can poison people, but not right. naturally. Not, not, not with venom. You should see what we did with Tylenol. <laughs> <laughs> Just a few of us, but venomous. One guy, one guy. did They ever caught the Tylenol guy, though, right? He went by the platypus. <laughs>
2: but I don't know. I'll look it up. We're already behind on, on the loose ends. You <laughs> yeah. want to get him now?
1: <laughs> Zoonotic? Zoonotic. That's the word I was going for. Ah. Zoonotic. And were you talking
2: about the Three Kings or Sonny Boy Williamson?
1: I was talking about Sonny, Sonny Boy, Boy Williams. Williamson. There's Sonny two of
2: those. Yeah. What was the other one? The Three Kings, Albert, and oh e. yeah. and- No,
1: no. I was talking about uh, Sonny Boy Williamson, who's more than, and uh, and Lonnie Smith. Hmm. Two Lonnie Smiths working at the same time. Wow. One a piano player, one an organ organist, both from um, like Buffalo, New York. Two people named Lonnie Smith
0: playing keyboards, playing jazz. Wow. So one of them wore a turban. Doctor Long- Jeff McBride's are there? There's a comedian in New York named Jeff McBride. Uh, obviously, there's the magician in Vegas, Jeff McBride. Uh, I'm the only human I think who knows both. Really? Because uh, I'm friends with both Jeff McBride. Well, you know, I, uh,
1: uh, I, uh, my my friend Kinky Friedman <laughs> has uh, he's a two ratso guy. He has two friends named Ratso, Whoa. so he can get a phone call. They can say, "This is Ratso," and he can say which one. <laughs> now, me, I know two David Silvermans.
0: What are the odds? Yeah, which is very high. <laughs> much, much less cool. There are the- there are four Jeff Cohens.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, David Silverman. One was the head of the American Atheists, ah. and one was one of the creators of The Simpsons. Right. And I know, I know both of those. I would much rather, with all due respect. Please don't take this as anti-Semitic.
0: <laughs> I would rather have two ratzos in my life than two David Silverman. I mean, those, a ratso has a story, either their family or their own <laughs> lives. You don't just, you're not just born ratso and nothing happens. Right, exactly. exactly. David Silverman, not so much. He's kind of slide by. And comedian Jeff McBride gets some of Jeff McBride's emails. Does he really? Because he has jeffmcbride.com, and I think jeffmcbride magic is jeffmcbridemagic.com. I see, I see, I see. So there's some overlap where he gets, yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, Jeff McBride, the magician, has one of those couple email addresses, which are very rare. It's like he and his wife share an email address. Oh, really? Yeah. That feels confusing. Uh, Yeah, I guess they just feel that their lives are intertwined. Huh. Or may not even be a wife, maybe a girlfriend or something. Interesting. Does Jeff McBride, the comedian, uh, dress similarly to... uh, Jeff McBride, The Magician. I think
0: there is conflict between the two Jeff McBrides, because Jeff McBride, comedian, answers the emails that he receives for Jeff McBride, Magician. And he doesn't know, when I talked to him, he didn't know a lot about The Mystery School, but he knew enough based on just the name and the graphics and stuff. So people would say, where is The Mystery School? And Jeff McBride, comedian, would be like, oh, well, first you have to go to The Enchanted Forest. (laughs) you have to answer three riddles from a man named toby if you get any of them correctly you'll never see the mystery school again follow you know go where the sun is hot and the fog is low and he would send these so i think there's been fighting back and forth where jeffrey magician is like please don't send our our students on quests
1: well the other thing is to retaliate uh, the Jeff McBride, the comedian, holds all the cards. So that's to right. speak. <laughs> what, what is Jeff McBride, the magician, going to do? I'll throw a card at your people. You know, he's not. There's just right. no, if they get if he gets an email and
0: says, you know, are you are you Jeff McBride? I'm not that funny. And Jeff McBride, comedian, has ha, he had? I think he still has a podcast called Let's Talk About Sets, and it's all breaking down how comedy works. And so comedians come on and just dis- and teach about comedy. Oh, that's nice. So ironically, they both teach about their their fields. Uh, Jeff McBride does know everything in magic. He he had he had this gimmick lecture where he had it was wild. Mm. He knew there were these weird gimmicks and he could tell you everything about them and their history and it was fascinating.
1: He also Jeff McBride does his homework. Mm. You know, there's some people that that they learn something in school. So when Jeff McBride, when we, we've called him in on a few things, we needed, we needed help on a magic thing. And Jeff McBride, you say, we're thinking of, um, we need some sort of big finish for this, you know, that he has to come out of hands and da, 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 da. And Jeff McBride shows up for the meeting. Not like I would show up for the meeting. Like, what was the question again? Oh, I'll just see what I think of. No, no. He shows up with, uh, cases of different props that he's pulled out, books that have little tabs in them that he can turn to. And then we asked him to um, take a look at our show at this one trick and see if he had any notes. And the next day we had rehearsal and he showed up with two binders. Wow. One that said pen and one that said teller. (laughs) And inside were typed notes and diagrams. Wow. For what we had done right and what we had done wrong. And the great thing you was- You didn't have
0: the heart to tell him those diagrams were useless to you.
1: <laughs> No idea. <laughs> but he also had, they, they they had notes for each other in there and tech notes, but our ones that brought us were highlighted. Ooh. Just perfect homework. And then we said, you know, we had a question about it. He goes, he does his research, he does it. So he really does that stuff right. I'm always in awe of people that just can do a seventh grade paper properly. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you do that, it seems like you can run Apple. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. no one else is doing it. No one else actually does homework and then presents it properly at
0: the end. I mean, when I when I was in writers' rooms, there would always be you always wanted the funniest people, but you also were like, We need you to be able to write this in a script form. Yeah. And that was a big deal. I remember we had a writer who just couldn't the, the work that was getting handed in was just grammatically weird and not typed up well and not in format. And as funny as the jokes were, it was really frustrating. It's Like job one was make it look like a script. The script should look like a script.
1: It's amazing how important that shit is. It's also impossible to convey that to any teenager on earth. (laughs) You know, if you actually learn to take notes, you know, people that, and the people that come in when when you have a meeting like that and someone like Jeff McBride comes in and can take notes and do homework and turn in work it's incredible how much that pops them up yeah of course i mean really what is that is that 25 minutes of work to put the stuff aside grab it and come in and yet everybody goes oh he knows everything i mean the binder
0: i mean that i got chills <laughs> whereas each page in its own little plastic yeah sleeve yeah, yeah oh now that is that's the move yeah that's that's
1: you just you just want everything. yeah it's really it's really amazing um, in in writers rooms that you you just need a couple of people that can just do it.
0: And that's why you have a writer's assistant a lot of times. It's a, it's a person <laughs> that, that you could scream jokes at and make sure it all comes together in a mm-hmm. in a readable fashion.
1: Yeah, uh, you also studied doing jokes, right? I mean, you 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 really learned. You, you said. Uh, when we were talking, that uh, when you worked at Mad Magazine, yes, you learned how to structure a joke, how to create a joke.
0: Yeah, I mean, they would stand over my soldier, shoulder, and you, they, you know, there. Chris Rock had a quote about speaking comedy, like it's another language, and so that was sort of the approach, like the way you would learn Spanish, you mm-hmm. would learn to speak comedy because mm-hmm. there is a way to translate. English ideas into comedy ideas, mm-hmm. and so it was just studying that language, trying to be do an immersion program, being surrounded by people who speak comedy all the uh-huh. time, and that was the best part about Mad was that everybody spoke comedy all the time. So you were, and they they spoke it so fast, like you would sit there and there, you know, somebody would throw out a premise and there'd be seventeen punchlines immediately, mm-hmm. and so that was really interesting. And then every other writing job you try to pick up on you know, the tips and tricks like Robert Morton who did Letterman. Yeah, I worked on a show with him and one of his, big one of my big takeaways from working with him was the difference between a soft joke and a hard joke. And it was very much like the way the Supreme court approaches obscenity, which is <laughs> you can't really define the difference, but you know it when you, when you got it. Um, but he was like, we need, he would be able to tell you that's a soft joke or a hard joke and you can feel it in your chest when you do a joke. Give, me, give me some examples. I mean, I'd like to think that all the jokes in my act, that I've kept are hard jokes. Basically, when you do a joke and you felt this when you're on stage, and there's a snapback as soon as the punchline hits the audience, it rips across the room. Mm-hmm. That's a hard joke. It smashes through the audience. Mm-hmm. Soft jokes—they're kind of like, oh yeah, it's it's soft. It's it's non-committal. It's like the entourage of jokes. Well, Le- Lenny Bruce used to say,
1: a smile or a small laugh every twenty seconds, big laugh every
0: minute and a half. I I although I think. Maybe I, just because I'm super type A and I'm the, the puts things in binders type person, I want a hard laugh every 20 seconds. Uh-huh. Although physically, that might be difficult uh, to sustain just because that's too much laughing. But yeah, George Carlin uh, talked a lot about you can't do too much laughing. Exactly. That was a weird thing to learn is that you'd spend the first five, six years of your career being like, I just want to hit as hard why as possible why doesn't all the everybody time.
1: do this i'm better so i'll get a laugh every five seconds exactly. God damn that's just thinking
0: yeah and then you headline your first gig with that kind of rhythm and 30 minutes in the audience is exhausted and you're throwing your best jokes and it's not coming back exactly as you want and you go oh i've tired them out yeah it's like people you know the, the, the most hated people in vaudeville
1: were the people that had the audience clap along Right? Don't exactly. you ever have the audience clap along before I come out.
0: You're using up all the clapping. <laughs> Their hands hurt. What are you doing? Yeah, don't do that. Don't, yeah. And that was a weird thing, too, was in the clubs, was every time I thought I was killing, like the auditory experience I was feeling, I would keep writing. And then all of a sudden, I would go, oh, it, it could sound louder, it could sound stronger. I remember seeing Bill Burr right before he, he sold out too much at comedy clubs and he had to start doing theaters. So he was selling out Carolines. And I heard him rip that room and the sound was so, it was just hard joke after hard joke ripping across the room. And I was like, oh, that's the level. And that was an interesting discovery was every time you think you have, you, you start writing C-level jokes and then you write your first B-joke and the audience laughs differently and you go, oh shit, I have to throw all those other jokes out. <laughs> and then so you write all the B-jokes and all of a sudden an A-joke happens. And you go, oh shit, I got to throw all the B-jokes out. And then it becomes just a bit difference between, you know, you'll throw out an, a comic- You'll see a new comic, and they're like, "Oh my god, this is my favorite joke." And you know it's maybe a B joke, and there are comics the, the best ones where they're throwing out A minus jokes, mm-hmm. which would rip a, would be the best joke in another comedian set. So that was that was always that like sort of stepping up of realizing every few years that you can write harder jokes.
1: You know, I've never, I've never, uh, I've never done. We have never tried to write a joke or put it in the show we don't it's just not the way we've ever thought about things like we don't think about tricks that way either you know mm. it's always talking about ideas right and working on it that way so i've always been you know i have so many friends who are comics and of course worked in the aristocrats and sure. uh, you know i was as you know very close to gilbert watching that kind of thing. of course gilbert is very different Oh my God. Yeah. I ne- never, never, you never saw Gilbert write a joke or, or lay it out that way, or he would never have labeled
0: it that way. You know what I mean? It's, it's. And he had the opposite. Any comic, if you're not doing well, tries to change tactic mm-hmm. and figure out, okay, how do I, how do I kill? Sometimes Gilbert would be like, oh, you don't like it? And then lean hard into it yeah, and, he and would, see how far he could go down. Yeah.
1: And he would also, uh, you know, he would also, he's very willing to, to let the audience come to him yeah very very willing that lack of um it seems like two types of performers work really well on stage the person that's so eager to please that they'll just do anything you know don rickles you know people that just (laughs) "Ah, you just gotta love me every second and the people who don't fucking care right (laughs) at all and that kind of complete um sociopathic behavior <laughs> of not caring about approval whatsoever also works. Yeah. I mean, you see that with Bruce Springsteen, you mm. know, let's all celebrate. We're great. Everybody loves me. And Bob Dylan, who is, <laughs> I'm gonna do this and if you happen to like it, I guess that's good.
0: I don't care if a college kid drops one of my road cases <laughs> Yeah, exactly.
1: I'll no, get another one. <laughs> but you know that it's
0: it's really interesting that those two extremes both work so well. And when they're starting out, it's oh, more sociopathic, the comic that doesn't care, because mm-hmm. they're bombing at an open bike, and they're acting like they're Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> and I never, I could never understand that. There were some comics who were confident from the very beginning, even when they were terrible. And usually, like, sometimes, and I love seeing when a comic develops over time. I remember there was one comic who was so overconfident and garbage, just terrible. And now his talent has met his confidence. Oh, and really? It's great and it's awesome, but I never had that ability to walk. If, if I had, even if one person wasn't laughing in a room mm-hmm. of a thousand, that's all I could think about.
1: Well, you, uh, I've never seen anything like Dean Martin on stage. Mm. Dean Martin on stage was the most incredible timing I've ever seen. It was like the Ramones, but just the other direction. Wow. You, know? he, you could not believe how long he would wait Uh, for stuff and how natural everything was. I mean, I've never seen anyone and I think it might've been true. You know, you never can tell. I mean, he probably didn't know, but I think it might've been true that he was completely and utterly relaxed, you know, kind of like Bill Murray, you know, Bill Murray has found this way to act and function in life of being just relaxed. Yeah. You know, just not nervous. But I remember, uh, Dean Martin, someone made a little bit too much noise or yelled something, and he kind of looked over at them and they went quiet. And he just went, Yeah. Yeah, You don't have to you don't have to be quiet, my actor. I mean, Sinatra demands this attention. You can bowl during my show. like, what, what are you talking about, Deed? And you knew that he kind of meant it. He wasn't, I mean, it was, it's one of the greatest put-downs of a person heckling you to just go, keep going. I mean, right. just an incredibly, I mean, how big does your dick have to be that that's your answer to a heckler? Oh, oh, go ahead. You know, yeah, do what you it's want.
0: Not, <laughs> it's not going to affect me. You know,
1: and he would do uh, timing on jokes that was just all based on we wanted to please him. We wanted to show him enough love that he would be happy to be there instead of just content right <laughs> And it was uh, it's really 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 remarkable that that's the rarer one you know And Dylan is polite and hardworking and focused but you don't get ever a needy vibe from Bob Dylan. Right. You know, you never get like, Jesus, let it go, relax, you're okay. Bob is and that's been from the first moment he touched a guitar. Right. You know, it's just amazing. And it's it's interesting when you compare. I mean, there was a wonderful reviewer who said um, we don't go to see Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan comes to see us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he comes to the towns and just does that kind of stuff. But for for Gilbert, it really was um Uh, When you talk about Gilbert, you always present that digging in deeper as a perversion, as a wanting to do that. And I never perceived it that way. I never perceived it as, oh, you don't like that. I'm going to do more of it. Right. I always perceived it as this is where I'm going to go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: Because it's almost like. If
0: you don't want to come, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's almost like you're even giving the audience more power than I want to. Right. You know, you're making them control what he's doing. I never felt that. I just felt, I know that this is funny and this is where I'm going. And uh, I hope you come along.
0: Right. And also, if you have that confidence and you're willing to white knuckle it and stay the course, some the audience sometimes will come around. Oh, they
1: will come around. Yeah. I don't say sometimes. On yeah. Gilbert, I think they almost always did. Yeah. You know, and it's pretty amazing when you go three minutes. <laughs> without really anyone coming along with you yeah that's an eternity and then there's like the first follower you know the first person who you know they always say in a in a political movement the leader is not the important one the way you judge your political movements is the first follower Mm. because that shows you where you're going to go that's the person you study is the first follower And uh, on Gilbert, you could see that in audience, the first people who are willing to go along and then everybody else kind of goes, oh, I guess I have to laugh at this. Right. (laughs) You know, I guess, I guess this is where we are. Such a remarkable thing about Gilbert is almost every comic you see, even if they're really good, you can kind of tell what they're doing. Mm. You can kind of look at the joke and say, here's how the joke breaks down. Uh, I think Gilbert had material that I don't think anyone can do that. Right? Uh, yeah, just who he was when he and was how, talking. Yeah. When he was talking about, you know, he's making toast with the Pope and what kind <laughs> of Pope? What kind of toast do you want? Wheat, wheat, and the Pope saying wheat
0: is the whole thing, or even the spicy mustard. Where yeah. if you try to break it down. There's this, the, it just the way he says it and the whole thing. Yeah, it's
1: just uh, you know, there's there's something about he doesn't know how to be funny. He just is funny. Yeah, and there's a there's a distinction there. And I've always been been very interested in though. I mean, I mean, you can say you put Seinfeld on one end of that. Seinfeld being the person who does the most homework.
0: Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah Legal Pat, like sitting down, raining it out, renting out an office. Yeah, I always love that that he rented out an office in New York. He would drive to work mm-hmm. and he would write jokes in his office and then go to the gigs and drive home. Mm-hmm. And for him it was like I have to clock in. This is a job like anything else.
1: Yeah. And and it, it, just striving for perfection. And Seinfeld also being very aware that that's not the only way to do it, which is right. which is the which is the really important part of Seinfeld. Because if Seinfeld just did that and said this is the way you should do it, you'd kind of think there's a dick that doesn't get it. Yeah. But he completely gets people who walk on stage with nothing prepared. Yeah. And Seinfeld understands that they're brilliant. And there's and that, that
0: spectrum from Carlin, who is like typing word for word, mm-hmm. buying the first computer, buying computer alliance because yeah. he wants to type up his jokes, to Pryor on the other side, who's equally on that Mount Rushmore and is just we just winging it.
1: What I loved, and I, I, I talked to Carlin about this because I absolutely loved it about him. Stand-up comedy is always the lie that you are speaking to the audience, that you are talking to them. That's the huge lie, right. you know, that that um, Lenny Bruce, you know, I divorced my wife today. I am just talking about things to you. And what I would love about George Carlin is his delivery was so purely that, that you really believed you were in a one-sided conversation right. with Carlin, that he really was speaking from his heart in real time. And then he would stop and say, uh, I'm going to do this bit now. And he would label it. Right. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to do the 10 commandments bit now. And it was a complete, it was showing how the magic trick is done. It was, and it's oh. still working. <laughs> yeah. It was still working. Yeah. That's the part that's mind blowing is he would do this conversation and you'd hear the whole audience go, Oh, yeah. I, I guess that was a bit. Right. I guess he, he, he was, that was a song, you know. And then he would say, that was a song that I wrote and did. Now I'm doing another song that I wrote and did. And 10 seconds in, he was just talking to you
0: again. Yeah. And I just thought that was just beautiful. I've used that on hecklers. I, I would sometimes say, oh, I'm so sorry. I gave the impression this was a dialogue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is actually a controlled monologue. Yeah. you feel the audience go, oh, shit, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. But you almost it almost is. Uh, complimentary when they talk back because they think, oh, we're just talking. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, no, no, no. I'm so sorry. I, I know I created the illusion of a dialogue, but you're not, I'm not yep. asking for your side.
1: That's a, a friend of mine once said you could tell if someone was in show business by if they said they thought David Letterman would be fun to have dinner with, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because if you're not in show business, you think, oh, that's the way he would be the same way he is on TV. <laughs> and if you are in show business, you go, no, there's other stuff going on.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: <Exactly>. <laughs> He's not going to sit down and just talk to you like he does on the show. hundred percent. That's not what dinner is going to be like. And you know that instantly if you're in show business. Mm-hmm. And if you're not in show business, everybody thinks, oh, I could just sit on the Letterman show, had that conversation it'd be very natural and funny and comfortable, right? Because nobody's working; they're just sitting there comfortably.
0: And then they find out that you were pre-interviewed, and they go, "Wait, what?" Well, yeah, and that they knew jo- those stories were in advance. Yeah. Producers <laughs> prepped this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially when he says
1: stuff like, "Oh, you flew in an airplane recently in Alaska," right? <laughs> exactly. You know, it's remarkable how the uh, how people just don't know that, and it's and they shouldn't.
0: Right. You know. Well, the other thing is that that if that was more widely known, when you see an actor who is terrible at it, you're like, those were the best stories. A producer spent 45 minutes sifting through (laughs) stories. That was the best, most interesting one they had. Yeah. That just would show how uninteresting some of those people are. Yeah. It is amazing. I
1: remember being backstage at Letterman once, and the woman out there was telling a story about, um, you know how when you arrive at an airport, and the limo driver's there with a sign with your name on it. <laughs> and I was sitting in the read room going, no. Right. <laughs> we don't know what that's like because most of us have to get cabs or we have a friend or we have a friend that showed up, you know, Harvard late, seven minutes late. <laughs> and we got off the plate and just looked at them for a really long time, you know. Uh, and that's the one that, you know, 45 minutes of a pre-interview, that's the story they wanted to go with.
0: Yeah. And that's the best one. They have forty-five minutes to go through the story. <laughs> yeah. All right, the dog pooped on the carpet. Fine. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. Well, point. he'll make it work. Yeah, he'll he'll find that out. Yeah. I had a buddy on a low-budget version of like a talk show, and uh, it was the same thing where they would set you up for bits. And I thought it was the funniest thing is he, uh, every time the guy would send him up. Oh, so I heard you broke up with your girlfriend. And he'd go, oh, "How did you know?" Like he would pretend <laughs> that he was shocked that this host had all this information. <laughs> And it was it was wonderful.
1: <laughs> well, when Andy Kaufman went on uh, Tom Snyder and refused to talk about anything but the weather.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his version of the talk show where he was just six oh, feet yeah, in the air yeah, yeah, yeah. arguing and, with Elaine. Yeah, 12 feet. Yeah. He
1: was way up there and interviewing Howdy Doody, which is one of the most beautiful tear-jerking moments in, in television. Yeah. I mean, Teller just thinks that um, that uh, Andy Kaufman's interview with Howdy Doody is just the greatest thing and he really loved Howdy Doody. Like, oh, yeah. That, it's beautiful. And so does Teller. Oh, that's great. Teller started Magic as a Howdy Doody Magic Kit.
0: That's unbelievable.
1: And he got sent in an envelope for, and he was just, it was everything to him. I mean, he just recently, uh, a friend of his bought him the original, a mint condition Howdy Doody Magic Kit.
0: Oh, that's so good. And
1: Teller just broke down crying. I mean, it was like one of the most emotional moments I've ever seen for Teller. Is that Howdy Doody magic kid, which meant everything to him. So Andy Kaufman interviewing Howdy right. Doody was just Teller going, okay, and this is the biggest
0: genius of all time. And him interviewing Elaine, who he was dating at the time, mm-hmm. is also great because it's asking questions He they both know the answer to because it, <laughs> it's the person he's actively dating.
1: Yeah, and also when uh, Meryl Marco went on Letterman, Yes, And he got a little mean and she pulled out her diary and said, I'm just going to read some of the stuff you said to me when we were dating. And he went, okay. And the interview got really nice. I think we need to cut the
0: commercial. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. Well, thank you for coming and filling in. My pleasure. My pleasure. It was was just great. Yeah. Tell her, her, uh, I'm sure knows that um, everybody is um, wishing him well and it seems to be working. Because he uh, he looked great yesterday, I'm sure he'll be better today, and raring to get on stage. He'll be telling oh, the yeah. uh, he'll be telling the doctors that he doesn't do anything in the show, and I will be agreeing <laughs> with him. That was Penn Sunday School. That was Penn Sunday School. Cha cha cha. You become naked. Oh, I'm helping uh, Gilbert Gottfried's daughter with her school project where she's doing a short documentary about her father's drawing. (laughs) And I'm doing the voiceover for it. Oh, that's cool. Talking about Gilbert's (laughs) art. So, uh, uh, Gilbert's family family continues. Hey, you know, we love you. Matt Donnelly, you got anybody to thank?
2: I think you do. The Patrons of Penn Sunday School, I want to thank Aaron Boyd, Mason Gooch, Vaughn DJ Double Chicken Beerhoff, Sagebrush, Matthew Michaud, Luke Mellon, Spencer Blair, Eileen Hunter, Ken Krovchuk, Jason Andrew Davidson, Peter B. Clark, Average Seal, Ben Price, Matt Williams, plus $110 Boner Office, Soapy Fresh, Dan Griffith, Brad Sherlag, Mike Cavanaugh, Rafiki, Steve Feldman, Jonathan P., NewRuleFX.com, Eric M. Rine, Chris Tehatchapi loop mckinney Gary Cornley, Danny hey does this rag smell like chloroform to you Ruse? Matthew Sullivan, and Betsy Batter. Thank you so much. Tylenol Investigation, still open. Oh, still open. <laughs> yeah.